Good, uh, good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode two. In fact, episode two, series two of uh, Because I Can podcast. And we're going to be continuing our theme of kind of what happens next. Um, is the change that's coming actually an opportunity or a threat? Um, so that's what we're going to build on today. And obviously, Paul is here with me um, as per usual. Um, right. and also, we're being joined by Alison Jones, who is Director of Practical Inspiration Publishing. And uh, yes, I had to write that down. Um, and she is also the host of the Extraordinary Business Club. And as those of you who've listened to us before, we've to- talked about coping strategies all the way through lockdown, you know, uh, baking, uh, choirs, quizzes. Uh, so it occurred to us that maybe writing books is probably or potentially also something that's happened through lockdown, um, or at least maybe starting writing books has happened through lockdown. But <laughs> Alison can, can, uh, can fill us in on that. So Alison, uh, uh, welcome. Say hi to me. Yeah, very good to be here. Thank you very much for having me. So is our is our kind of hypothesis that actually lockdown has, has um, made people write more books? Is that is that accurate or not? Yes and no. So quite a lot of people, you're, you're right, went, you know what, I've got my, a hole in my diary. I'm not travelling anywhere, I'm not doing anything. Now is the time to write that book. And those motivated, self-controlled, focused individuals sat and wrote their book and, you know, all power to them. And then the rest of us, we <laughs> we developed sophisticated procrastination routines and <laughs> displacement activities and endlessly scrolled the news and and this oh, there was a real fragmentation of attention that, that went on, I think, during the pandemic. And and maybe that was just exacerbating what had already been going on. So yes and no, it has worked for some people. Uh, other people, I think, have found it really hard to settle to anything. But I think also for people who need to get away to write have found it really hard. I, I find it very hard to write at home. I do most of my writing in a, in a cafe or I leave my family for a weekend and go in an Airbnb. And I yeah. need that separation. Paul's looking really excited. Paul is suddenly wants to write. Paul's like, can I go away with <laughs> um, my family for a weekend and write a book? Like, See you guys. Yeah, <laughs> good in the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so if you if that's the kind of person you are, it's been really hard because you've been you know stuck at home with everybody else, you know, and, and finding space has been painfully hard. I guess it's almost the opposite. We were talking to uh, to Dave obviously for Night Frank uh, last week, and um, we were saying that one of the things that's been quite interesting is that the people that you perhaps thought might thrive on lockdown are the opposite, and and some of that in certainly their kind of retail sales environment is because. You, they've lost their audience right so if you're that, that person yeah that kind of big sales all the chat entertain the office keep everything going and suddenly you've had no audience um so therefore you've kind of found it hard to find your energy and I must confess that you just said that I'd never really thought but the opposite must be true as well right so if you're actually that person that likes to kind of slide off quietly and find your own space mm. potentially if you're kind of locked in a home um with you know family and friends or not as the case may be um I guess that must be equally difficult yeah, I think it's been really extreme for people. Um, I think also most of, well, I'm a natural extrovert, but I kind of found my inner introvert during lockdown. I really sort of scaled life down a bit. I'm quite enjoying that. Maybe it's just an age thing. I don't know. But it has really made people think about what makes them tick, about what makes them happy, about where and how they work best. So I think we've all become a lot more self-aware. 
and yeah, a lot I think, more grumpy. Uh, it's actually the values. That, so we deal with the automotive industry quite a lot, uh, and you know, quite a lot of the big car manufacturers are genuinely concerned that people's valuations, their perceptions of value, has has shifted. You know, mm. so actually, whereas perhaps status, posh car, etc., was mm. something that was maybe important a year or two ago, all of a sudden perhaps less important now. Um, maybe they want a bigger garden uh, or, or, or more space, whatever that might look like. So I think I, I think that's quite interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think there might be a real shift towards people buying experiences rather than things anymore, because uh, certainly we haven't had as many experiences over the last two years. I know I'm desperate to get out and do things now rather than um, rather than just buy things. You know, it's what can I do with the family? Let's go walking. Let's get a planned trip in the book or something like that, which is so much more important. And even just stuff like just going for a walk nearby, whereas it, perhaps in the past it might have been the big holiday in the summer. Now it's just anything. You know, can we you know go and spend the weekend with some friends? You, you suddenly realise what you missed, I suppose. I think one of the things that's quite funny actually is we talk when we talk about books, Alison. So for probably about the last eight years, you know, Paul has been talking about writing a book on uh, on leadership. And what I love is as I'm saying this now to our audience. One of the things Paul's really keen to do is he, he's had obviously military experience, but he's also had quite a lot of um, effective business experiences as, as well. And um, therefore, he says, yeah, I'd like to draw on some of the examples and some of the people I've come across and would like to write a book on leadership. And what I'm really liking is that as I'm saying this, it's a little bit like that Carly, Carly Simon song. You're so, is it you're so vain? Because I think you think this song is about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Got it. Right. So as, so, so as I'm saying this right now, there's at least 100 people that have been on courses with Paul and I that are now thinking to themselves, oh, they're bound to put me in that book as an example. <laughs> uh, and the answer is we probably are, but maybe, maybe not the example you're hoping. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think most of it's going to be about, uh, you know, Jim Tadshaw. I don't know who he could be. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so Alison, what call? What have been the uh, what phone calls do you get? What what's uh, what's it? What's the sort of most inspiration you've had from people? What about the book writing during lockdown yeah. thing? Yeah. So, well, as I say, it's been quite varied. So um, that's been interesting, and people have been putting it off for years, suddenly got round to it. One thing that I think has been difficult for people to uh, to, to plan for. Is, is sort of seeing the historical context. Because when you're writing mid-pandemic, it's really hard to know yeah. how that's going to play one year down the line, two years down the line. So I remember at the beginning, we were like, oh, I'll be over by August, you know, and then yeah. we don't want to make too big a deal of it. And then it became increasingly clear. It's, oh, right, okay, so this is a complete paradigm shift of how we live and work. And anything that was written pre-pandemic, <laughs> we've actually done two new editions of, of books that, one is about mental health for students and one is about leading through uncertainty. And I sort of got phone me also and said, we have to do new editions of these books because they are needed more than ever. You know, imagine mental health for students now. is It's a massive thing. But we can't have a book that doesn't take the learnings from the pandemic and, and, and talk about that as part of the context. So that's been interesting, seeing how people... Because when you're writing a book, it's not like writing a blog post. You know, you write a blog post, it's timely, it, it's reacting to what's going on in the world, it has a timestamp on it, everybody gets that. Books have got much longer shelf life, they've got much longer gestation period, and they have to be kind of removed a level from, from the real detail of the day-to-day, -day, and they have to be drawing out themes that have got a longer shelf life, that are, that are more applicable and, and won't date so quickly. And when you're in the middle of... Um, 
a massive global pandemic that that turns out that's quite hard one thing that I I saw a funny a funny post actually during it that said uh, you know all the zombie apocalypse all the pandemic movies that we always used to see uh, you know before the pandemic uh, in none of them was there a big chunk of the community just denying that there was a pandemic on no 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 there were no zombies I'm not believing in it and I'm just digging my head and just just ignoring it and I'm obviously from a scientific background um, one of the things I I feel I have felt is just a, a uh, an increased uh, no, an increased uh, number of people just saying I don't believe in experts anymore and I don't want to listen to experts and I want to uh, and I feel that my beliefs and my opinions are just as valid as the person who spent 20 years getting his PhD and his qualifications and they've done this and done that and published but I've I've done a bit of YouTube and I also have a valid valid opinion and I don't know do you do you feel that experts in any field you know it doesn't have to be just science but it's almost moved to the point where uh, you know your your expertise is is not valid because I have a differing opinion I don't know what you think on, on that oh it's it's such a great but yes I, th- I think experts are overrated what <laughs> said that grief so yes I have strong views on this as you might imagine <laughs> <laughs> um I think that the more ridiculous and ferocious and uh unscientific and you know, non sort of fact based uh, and reactive, the conversation becomes in certain corners of the internet. The more we need the sanity of of books, partly because they allow you to to follow an argument through and understand the context behind it and draw in the references and you know really engage with an idea, and partly because the act of writing a book is so good for you as the author because it forces you to articulate, to clarify, to evidence, you know, all those good things. And I think that those habits of mind, those disciplines, those practices are, I mean, frankly, it's all that's going to save us, isn't it? You know, so I I think it's really important that we, and what's great actually is that books have had a great pandemic uh, and people really have understood, maybe for the first time, just how important it is for them to, to manage their attention intentionally and also the well-being aspect in a sense you know print books have done so much better than anybody including me frankly thought they were going to do over the long term because we want space away from that flipping screen that the rest of our life is mediated by so yes I think that it is all happening everywhere in a sense we haven't it doesn't go in one direction or that it goes in every direction at the same time doesn't it so it becomes simultaneously more fragmented and at the same time we turn to this sort of long form thoughtful reflective piece and and I think that's the better part of us honestly well you know it would be wrong of me at this point not to mention that Alison you and I have been uh, working on something to come out uh, later in the year and and I've got to say of all the things I've ever done it's made me feel the most vulnerable and actually questioned myself the most so it's funny I'll stand on stage in front of 500 people and I'll talk about some of the stuff that Paul and I talk about all day you know concepts of leadership concepts of rapport building and I kind of I've never written a speech in my life I mean it's, it's I live and breathe it and, I, and I'll stand on stage and I'll deliver that no problem suddenly trying to write that down and put it into a book actually I found really challenging because I couldn't uh I couldn't make it grow I, I couldn't develop it I couldn't bounce off it I couldn't and actually you read it back afterwards and you go that makes no sense uh I need to I need to I need to do that again um, and then actually, weirdly, 
you're going to get judged on it afterwards. And I found that absolutely terrifying. You, you know, Paul and I walked across the summit ridge of the Matterhorn and that was kind of fine. Suddenly, when, I, when I've got an audience in front of me, if, if somebody questions me, I can come back at them. I, can go, oh, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, or have you looked at it this way? Suddenly you write this stuff down and we kind of, it's like your homework. And I was pretty bad at that as well. You, you know, <laughs> you, you kind of send it off and you're kind of waiting for teachers review only you're asking a whole load of people you've never met to review it and i genuinely it's causing me you know massive anxiety so what what's it like tim because obviously a lot of what you do is is instantaneous a lot of you know you we do stuff on screen we do stuff in front of people it's it's all instantaneous but this is i imagine over many months you've been sitting there rereading it looking back reflecting understanding uncomfortable Massively uncomfortable, yeah, yeah, horrible, wow. as, as Alison will testify to. I mean, like, she's had all sorts of panicked phone calls and emails from me, but like, <laughs> like hugely uncomfortable because it's kind of there in black and white to judge, like you say, and it's not instant. You can't reflex off it. You can't hmm. adapt it and morph it. It's just kind of there. And that's what's, it's a weird, it's a weird, I don't think I've ever felt so vulnerable, to be honest with you. And that, and that includes getting shot at with you in Afghanistan. <laughs> Not by me. <laughs> I, yeah, just clarifying that, yeah. I think you should be asking me what it's like, actually, Paul, because I have <laughs> a more professional opinion. It's really good. Um, but it's it, work, you know, working with Tim to develop that was really fascinating because it was all there, but it was delivered like a story. Uh, mm. And, you know, without... The, the, so we've really worked on almost the kind of movie adaptation isn't it you know of trans no 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 you're not, you're not a bad idea is it <laughs> get brad pitt um but it's it's really sort of taking the, the experience the message the things that you do instinctively without even thinking about it on stage and mm. sort of transliterating that onto the page and making it work there as you say, without that audience in front of you, without all the, um, you know, you actually standing and doing it in your own voice. And I'm really pleased with it. I think we've captured your voice, but, it, you know, it really sort of works well as a book. And uh, and we're able to do things in a book that you can't do on stage, actually. You know, you set out a problem for people and there's a sort of diagram there. And it's we're using all the affordances of the book to get the message across. And that's what you do these days, isn't it? You've got your, your your version of your story for all the different touch points you can have with people on the stage on the you know as a twitter post as a as a blog post as a book and and each one of them allows you to express things in a different way and reaches different people i'm still amazed that books are still relevant when you think about it because everything else in today's world is you know bite-sized 10 seconds bang 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 um there's even an app isn't there i forget now where you can have a book given to you the whole book can be condensed into about five five yeah, ten minutes blinkist, yeah. blinkist that's it yeah and everything's getting squashed down into you know a tweet uh you know uh instantaneous you know I, I want to i want to quote i don't want the whole story and yet books you know for hundreds of years and they're still there and as you said you know, sales are doing well over. over um... But if you think about it, actually, as well, it, it's not just books. If you think, you know, yes, everything's micro and everybody's looking at, you know, short uh, TikTok videos and so on. Mm. And they're binging box sets. It's like our attention has kind of gone in both directions. And, and that's a great thing. But I think also there is just fatigue, you know, with the superficiality. Um, and, and actually, when something really matters to you, and you really want to understand it, you're not going to get that in a in a tweet. You're not going to get that on a you know Instagram reel. You really do need that long form. And you know, I think it's I, say, I, I find it interesting because I guess we're that generation that's sort of in betwixt and between. And in terms of the tech evolution, 
And I think two things are very interesting. Firstly, Paul and I are both mental health first aid practitioners, as we all are. And the psychology, interestingly, of, of kind of binging Netflix is actually much more healthy for you than flicking Instagram. And, it, and it's something to do with your attention. You, you actually hooked into something, you've engaged with it, and, and yeah. you've seen it through. Now, I know some people will say, well, you should wait till next week like we used to have to, but it's like, you know, <laughs> move on. Um, but you're, you're not getting constantly interrupted as well, and that's really correct. important. Yeah. So I quite often say to people, look, it's quite cathartic. If you need a time out, if you need to put your own oxygen mask on, there's nothing wrong with watching a couple of episodes of whatever. But the other thing I want... Oh, reading a book! Well, this is what I, <laughs> this is what I say. Actually. The other thing that's really, really weird is... I still can't, I still love only a book. You can see behind me, and I've got loads of books. And I even double buy books at the moment, which is also, you might think, odd, in so much as if it's a really nice book. So I've got a couple of autobiographies or books about mountaineering or whatever it might be, and I buy them because I want to own the thing because I see where that's the value is. And inevitably, I still bang it on my Kindle so that I can travel with me and, and read it. And I've just, that habit has evolved because I want to own the book. I think it's a nice thing to own and to have yes. and to... And you can share it's something you can share. It's quite cool. You know, someone comes around and goes, yeah. look at this. It's really nice. Um, and gift. You can give it to yeah. somebody, which is a rubbish thing to do with an ebook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true, isn't it? I mean, we actually helped crowdfund one. Uh, there was a guy called Ben Tibbetts who wanted to climb all of the 14,000 metre, uh, sorry, not 14,000, 4,000 metre peaks in the Alps. And he took these, it's on the shelf behind me somewhere, which obviously doesn't help you on a podcast, but... Um, <laughs> He took these beautiful photographs all across it. And what he did is he crowdfunded it. Do you remember, Paul? And mm. we, you, we all, you bought a copy of the book for kind of 100 quid, essentially. And then he went off for a year doing this stuff. And then it arrived. And, and it, was, it, was a, it was a weird and fantastic experience to get this book, which has got this beautiful photography in it. It's then got all of the kind of routes that he climbed. I mean, obviously, you've got the climbing, right? But all of the kind of routes that you climbed and how he'd done it and this and that and the other. And you kind of felt that you contributed to this book I don't know it was, it was quite cool it was quite a cool That's thing to cool. have and we've been talking about books from the kind of reader's perspective and what it does for you but I think and then Tim you can speak to this as well from the writer's perspective that from the mental health angle that immersion in something that creative process that you know bringing something into the world that is what you're most passionate about that's really good for you as well. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> it well, isn't I'm easy. Change, I'm having to change my name and all of my social media identities to, to escape the backlash. Uh, I'll let you know. No, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of writing as a, as a way of kind of almost seizing back that kind of... Because we spend so much time as consumers, don't we? We're just consuming all the time. And just carving out some time to, to create, to write, to explore, you know, that kind of stuff. I think that's really important. Still, I, must admit, I still write stuff down. The, the majority of stuff that we present now, we try and, as a company, you know, Sandstone, we try and be more and more clever with the kind of media, the PowerPoint slides, the images, the, all of that kind of stuff, creating videos and content and all of that for the training stuff that we deliver. But it does still start with writing it down for me. When I've, when I've spun a few plates, been to a few meetings, working out how I can join out what we're doing with the Dakar rally, with the book, with this and that, I still find, you know, getting a pen and paper out yeah. and writing that down, I still find that really, really powerful. The only time I've really done that is uh, when I last went to Afghanistan. I wrote a, I wrote a diary every day. Uh, I scribbled some stuff down. And actually, I've not had the guts to open it. I came back, put it away. It's in the bottom drawer. And maybe in a few years to come, I will have the... I'll have the balls to go and get it out but it was very helpful during um I just yeah it was very interesting just that 
that um, somewhere to chuck your emotions down when yes. you're obviously not able to perhaps share them in, in, in the ways that you're used to. Yeah. I remember somebody on the podcast described it as sorting the spaghetti. And I thought that was a great description <laughs> because if you're just thinking stuff over, you tend to ruminate, the stuff goes around in circles and, and it never really goes anywhere. But somehow just that act of putting your pen to paper allows you to kind of just grab an end and <laughs> unspool it onto the, and, and, and say, oh, OK, so this is what needs to happen or, you know, whatever. Or even just as you say, just naming it, just seeing it just telling it that that can be really really helpful I'm a big fan of, of writing when you don't know what it is you want to say yet <laughs> and most yeah. of the writing we do yeah because most of the writing we do as businesses is is about you know influencing or explaining or, or trying to kind of get people around to your point of view but actually that that kind of I call it exploratory writing that space where you're just seeing what this idea this itch in your brain is and, and there's nothing like pen and paper for that we, we even do it with um we, we often help people out with sort of presentations of powerpoints and clients and stuff like that and I, and I quite often say to somebody like if you give me what you've got that's far easier than asking me to start from scratch so so if you kind of give me what you're trying to do we've helped out athletes and all sorts of people you know it's presentation sponsorship and all that sort of stuff and it's kind of like give me what you've got and then I can perform that and I did find that actually with the whole book writing process thing, once I kind of got it down and had a starting point, I then found tweaking it. You know, Alison, when you say to me, right, do this or do that, I'd actually found that far easier once I kind of got something to start with. Yeah, which, I always say to people, just, just blat it down. Get, 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 a, get a sort of first draft out there because then you've got something to work with. I think people get endlessly stuck and there's probably a billion people who've got the kind of, you know, first chapter of a novel tucked away in a drawer somewhere because they never get beyond it because they keep endlessly polishing the chapter. You've got to just get it down and then you've got something to work with. Paul quite often likes to talk about uh, don't let perfect get in the way of good enough or, or words that affect Paul, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Don't let, yeah. Don't let perfection get in the way of good enough. Yeah. But then some people get upset with that. <laughs> yeah. Done is better than perfect is, is my one, which you'll remember from the proposal challenge, Tim. Yeah. And luckily, I've never been perfect, so it's not a problem. Um, <laughs> which is literally ideal. So as we, uh, as we move towards the end, Alison, what, what do you... Uh, so we, we asked David's question, you know, sort of where's the opportunity and the change, as it were, you know, post-lockdown, post-people being locked down. What, what, how about for you? Where's the, where's the opportunity for people, do you think, now going forward? Uh, such a great question. Uh, and it's funny because with Practical Inspiration, we've been a virtual team like forever. So we founded in 2014 and we, we're all over the place and we've always used, you know, collaboration tools. And, we, you know, that's just the way we've always worked. So it did I mean, sort of May 2020. I was like, well, I don't know what the fuss is about, really. So we just kind of business as usual, really. Um, but what what I have and, and I think it goes back to what we were saying before about experiences. We're so ready for experiences. What I have missed is, you know, we, used, we did an author day. haven't been able to do that since because we did the first one in December. 2019 oh this will become an annual thing well it hasn't of course so <laughs> I, I think that that blend of of being able to kind of withdraw and do the deep work the creative stuff and and work best in your own space in your own way you know if you work best at four in the morning with the archers podcast playing great do it you know you can um but also just looping back into reconnecting with people the experiential piece I'm really excited to see how that plays out because, it, it, you know, potentially we've got the best of both worlds in a way that we never had before. You always were sort of shoehorned into a particular way of working. And I think it's really exciting if we can keep that flexibility. It's much it's really supports, you know, diversity as well, because a lot of people just they can't do the, the nine to five in the office. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm actually quite excited about the future and how it's shaping up. 
Yeah, I think, I think it's quite exciting as well. And in fact, guys, you know, I would say, you know, firstly, Alison, obviously, thanks so much for your time and, and coming on. And what I would say to you, to anybody listening to this, is I'm probably the least academic person that I work with ever. And Paul will absolutely testify to that. And therefore, probably the least likely person to ever get involved in any kind of authorship, if that's even actually a word, which sums it all up, really, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> going forwards. And all I would say is if you're even thinking about it, get in touch with Alison. We can put the contact details on the bottom we're doing because I don't know, never go, go and have a go, right? Go and have a go is what I would say. And Alison's probably the right person to help you do that. I can vouch for that. <laughs> They they do say, don't they, that everyone's got one good book in them, don't they? So I'm really looking forward to the sequel, Tim. Uh, so that's <laughs> <laughs> the difficult, okay, the difficult second book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very much for listening, guys. See you next time.